We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, WTIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by two guests. When voters head to the polls on November 6th, there will be two proposed amendments to the state constitution on the ballot. One has to do with transportation funding, the other with the transfer of state property. We will talk about both this morning with two different guests to discuss the so-called transportation lockbox. We are joined by Jim Cameron, founder of the Commuter Action Group and columnist for Hearst Connecticut Media. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? I am well, and yourself? Just fine. Explain to us what this amendment would do and why you support it. Well, anybody who takes a train or drives on the highways in Connecticut knows uh, the horrible conditions of both um, potholes, bridges that are in need of repair, trains that are uh, older than the passengers than riding on them. Uh, and, and something obviously needs to be done in terms of investment in transportation. Uh, the problem is that the uh, folks in Hartford, the governor and the legislature, uh, don't have a great track record on funding those necessary expenditures taking things like uh, the gasoline tax, putting it into the special transportation fund, and then making sure that money gets spent on transportation. Uh, There's a rather sordid checklist going back many terms, Democrats and Republicans, of seeing that special transportation fund as a uh, piggy bank that can be raided during the uh, budget uh, balancing operation. So the idea of this first question on the ballot is to put the transportation lockbox um, in effect, which means that money that goes into that fund to be spent on transportation can only be spent on transportation. Uh, that's why it's called a lockbox. There has been some criticism that lawmakers might still be able to find the key to this lockbox if they're in a jam. Do you feel the wording is strong enough? You know, I think it was Voltaire, uh, the French philosopher, who said that uh, perfection is the enemy of good. Uh, This lockbox referendum is not perfect. I think it could be stronger, but we don't have that as an option right now. What we have is the opportunity, based on the, the bipartisan support of two legislative sessions going back down to 2015, What we have is finally have a chance uh, on the ballot this November to vote on something that's going to be better than what we have. So I think that those who think this lockbox is not strong enough, rather than saying don't support it, should say, yeah, let's pass it and then let's tighten it up. Let's make it stronger. Is this not simply paving the way for tolls? You know, I think the question of where the money comes from that goes into that lockbox is a separate issue. Uh, Whether it's just the gasoline tax or it's tolls or taxes or vehicle user fees or anything else, 
What really matters is that the money that goes into that fund is spent on transportation and transportation alone. So, no, this is not um, any kind of a stealth move to, to, to raise the amount that we have to pay for transportation, but better to make sure that the money that we do raise is properly spent. When you think about transportation funding, I'm sure first on the mind is really roads and bridges, but what else does the STF cover? Well, I mean, the STF is actually the spending arm of the Department of Transportation. So it covers everything from road repairs, um, maintenance of uh, the, the train stations, uh, both the, along the New Haven line, the branch lines going up to Waterbury and Danbury, and the new Hartford line that runs up toward uh, Springfield. Um, it, it covers all kinds of aspects of keeping people moving in our state, whether they're on trains or in cars or trucks. Uh, it's everything that touches that transportation issue. The idea of a transportation lockbox has been kicked around for years in the General Assembly. Why do you think it took so long to make it onto the ballot? Well, it's you know the question I've been asked is why does it have to be a constitutional amendment? Why couldn't they just pass a law? Well, apparently the the threshold of votes necessary to make this legislatively effective as opposed to constitutionally amended. Uh, was not achieved in the votes in 2015 and 2017. Uh, I think it's better that it's actually part of the Constitution because that means it's going to be more ironclad. Uh, I mean, your earlier question was, aren't there ways of getting around this lockbox, picking the lock, so to speak? Uh, I think it would take uh, a state rep, a state senator, a governor, an OPM with a set of brass you-know-what to touch the special transportation fund if this initiative, this question passes, because it will clearly be the will of the electorate that money be spent on transportation and transportation alone to stop using the special transportation fund as part of that annual shell game of shuffling money around to make it look like we have a balanced budget. There are some who argue, and granted they seem to be in the minority, that this would tie the hands of lawmakers and the governor to set budget priorities. Why shouldn't they be able to take special transportation fund money for use for education, social services, or other priorities if they wanted to? Because the idea of the taxes that go into that, the gasoline tax, is not supposed to be spent on education. It's supposed to be spent on transportation. It's, uh, in effect, a, a user fee. Uh, if they want to take lottery money that's supposed to be spent on education or uh, money that was uh, won as part of the tobacco settlement and spend it on something other than its intended purpose, they can answer to the electorate for that. But I think that people that you know fill up their tanks, pay fares on Metro North, the highest rail fares of any commuter railroad in the United States, are tired of seeing money that they are paying to use those services be diverted to other purposes. If they want to find money for education, it's there. Just find it someplace else. Governor Malloy, who's not running for a third term, has said, well, my track record on not using gas tax revenues for other purposes is pretty good. Is that the whole story? You know, I wish I was a forensic accountant and could go back and and show you exactly where this, you know, malfeasance, this misappropriation took place. But I believe those, uh, you know, who, who follow this issue far closer and who have said that 
<clears throat> excuse me, there is a a bipartisan track record going back to the Roland administration. Governors Roland, Governor Rell, and Governor Malloy all used money from the Special Transportation Fund for other purposes. Now, they may have put it back in after some other part of that shell game, but I think that uh, the the people that drive the roads and take the trains in this state and ride the buses as well, you know, know very well that Hartford cannot be trusted if they don't do something, we don't do something, like we can at this uh, referendum question in uh, in November, to really make sure that there are there are locks, pick-proof locks that are placed on the funds that we want to make sure are spent in the proper areas. Some folks will say that if this is approved and there's language in the state constitution prohibiting the use of special transportation funds for other purposes, that if lawmakers and a governor in the future do go ahead and do that, they would face even more criticism in the media. Do you believe that? I, you know, I can't predict the future. I, 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 want to, I want to really keep this as simple and accessible for your audience as possible. Uh, I think that what we have in front of us is an opportunity. It has taken us three or four years to get to this point. That opportunity is there is a question on the back of the ballot in November that says, let's put a lockbox on the Special Transportation Fund. Uh, you know, what could happen in the future, what the courts might decide, I think is far beyond my crystal ball's ability to predict the future. I think that what we really need to do is vote in favor of question one and send a message to Hartford that we're tired of seeing money collected for one purpose and spent on something else. Clearly, we need billions of dollars of investment in our transportation network. Jim, have you taken a look at what other states do in terms of sequestering transportation dollars? Are there amendments to constitutions that have passed in other states? Boy, that's a great question. I do not know. I, would, I wouldn't even begin to guess. Uh, but, you know, whatever the other states have done, uh, you know, we, we either... We have to we have to decide for ourselves on this particular issue. I don't know what the track record is in other states. I do know that there's a a, a not so great track record in this state against money that's being collected for transportation, not being spent on that, and that's why this question is going to be on the ballot. What happens if this question fails? Do you think? Well, if if this question does not pass, I think we go back and we look at this issue again. Uh, I think we need to make sure that lawmakers understand that the public, the people that use the trains and ride the buses and drive on the highways are, are tired of the conditions that we're seeing today. They're tired of paying a toll in terms of the wear and tear on their cars as their, their alignment gets knocked out because they've hit potholes. Uh, they're tired of spending 20, 30 minutes extra a day on their train commute because the trains aren't running on time and they're slow. And we, we have to just make sure that they understand that if we're going to be collecting money for transportation, it has to be properly spent. I mean, you know, this is a huge bipartisan effort that has broad support across the state from chambers of commerce to the AFL-CIO uh, my group, the uh, the Commuter Rail Council as well too, the Fund for the Environment. I mean, there's a broad support for this measure. And that's why, you know, I think 
when we go to the polls, we have to make sure that we look at both sides of the ballot. This is this is going to be not at the top of the ballot. It's going to be toward the bottom of the ballot. And it's just going to be called question one. It doesn't say lockbox referendum question. So you got to read these things closely. But I encourage your listeners when they're voting to not just vote for governor and Congress and their state rep, but to go down that ballot and be an informed voter. Do something that's an investment in the future. Are you making any predictions? Uh, you know, I'm not a great one at, uh, at predicting the future. I am cautiously optimistic. What I do know is I'm doing everything I can to make sure people understand what this question is about and encouraging them to get out there and talk to their friends and neighbors. I mean, I've been talking to groups, large and small, senior citizen centers, Kiwanians, Rotarians, uh, any kind of a group that will listen to me. I think this is a really crucial, important issue. And I think it's going to be decided by a, a small number of people who, you know, as responsible citizens, take the time to go down to that that part of the ballot beyond the things they've seen a lot of television ads for, like the gubernatorial race, and and look at these important questions. This question and the one that we're gonna you're going to be talking about in a moment. Question two. He is Jim Cameron, founder of the Commuter Action Group and columnist for Hearst Connecticut Media. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on Face Connecticut. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. And we are now joined by Eric Hammerling, Executive Director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association, to talk about the second constitutional question on the ballot in November related to the transfer of state property. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, Aaron. Explain to us what this proposal would do and why you feel it's needed. Well, right now, the Connecticut General Assembly is able to sell, swap, and give away public land without having a public hearing first. And we want to make sure that if public land is to be sold, swapped, or given away, it's always done with full public knowledge. Uh, So question two on the ballot would ensure that uh, that always happens. And in in addition, for those very valuable pieces of land, like uh, those owned by, uh, well, owned by all of us, um, but specifically state parks and forests and wildlife management areas or state-owned farmlands, those would also require a two-thirds vote. How common is it for the state to unload or swap property? Well, actually, every year, the state puts together a conveyance bill with the specific purpose of selling, swapping, and giving away public land. Um, A lot of folks are aware of the Haddam land swap, which happened now about six years ago, um, but it really is the kind of thing that happens every year. This year, uh, the, uh, the, the the giveaway that got a lot of people's attention was the giveaway of the Hartford Regional Market. Um, that's about 34 acres uh, in the you know in right where 84 and 91 come together. It's the largest fresh food distribution center between New York and Boston. And on the last day of the session, in the waning hours, it was given away from the Department of Agriculture to the Capital Region Development Authority. Um, whether or not the Capital Region Development Authority does a good job as a steward of that property uh, is is unknown, but it certainly shouldn't have been given away without any public input. 
So the objective of this proposal is to add some sunlight to the process, it sounds like. It's all about sunlight and transparency. Uh, you know, obviously, we also want to recognize that public lands in particular, like state parks and forests, are very valuable pieces of land, uh, very valuable to the state. Uh, state parks bring over a billion dollars in revenue and uh, support 9,000 private sector jobs every year. The outdoor recreation industry in Connecticut is really strong, $6.9 billion almost 70,000 jobs supported through that industry. And because those industries and that revenue is associated with you know, beautiful protected places uh, for the public to enjoy, we want to make sure that before they're sold, swapped, and given away, the public at least has the opportunity to voice its opinion. Remind us about the Haddam land swap you mentioned that really ignited this fight years ago. This involves a land, a piece of land along the Connecticut River, right? Yes. Uh, the Haddam land swap uh, actually first raised the specter in people's minds of, the, oh, wow, the General Assembly actually can sell, swap, and give away places like state parks and forests. And what was proposed was a swap between some very valuable land along the Connecticut River and some less valuable land in another part of uh, Haddam. And uh, that became somewhat controversial because it was very clear that it wasn't just about the land. This was about trying to get a vote on a budget uh, and you know all the horse trading that happens at the end of a session, which uh, I can tell you from some experience being there at the end of the session, I know you've been there too, Aaron, very strange things happen. Um, and that was just another example of uh, you know a deal that should have been done in sunlight that was done in the dark. Have you looked at what other states have in terms of guidelines for conveyance of state property? Uh, yes. And in fact, uh, you know, what question two would do is amend the state constitution to specifically require that there be that public hearing before public lands could be sold, swapped and given away. Uh, there are three states in our region that have things in their uh, state constitutions that protect public lands. You know, Massachusetts, Maine, New York, all have those types of provisions. They've had them for many years, and we think that's the kind of protection that Connecticut should have as well. We took a, lo a look around, and we couldn't find a lot of groups really opposing this proposal. H have you heard of any opposition? There's no formal opposition to this proposal, um, and we actually have been checking with the state uh, ethics and uh, elections folks uh, to make sure that there isn't some source of opposition that we're not aware of. We do feel, though, that there are only two things that have ever been brought up uh, with concerns about this. One is, you know, some people are just opposed to any changes to the state constitution. And we certainly understand that this is an important thing. I can tell you why we have to make sure it's in the constitution to, uh, to have it be a real change. But the other uh, question is just, you know, what is on the ballot? And question two is a little bit long, a little bit confusing. Uh, some people may not know that voting yes is the right thing to do. So we just worry about some confusion there. And that's why we're trying to make sure that people understand what it really does. And depending on the town or city, it might be on the other side of the ballot. It's true. Uh, you know, it, it, because this is such a full election in terms of the number of candidates, the number of parties, um, uh, we weren't able to say, you know, on every ballot, you're going to find it in this one place. The thing that you will see is the number two, and you'll see the ballot question, and then to vote yes or no. Obviously, we're hoping people will vote yes. 
given that there are so many races this election season, has it been a challenge to get the word out about this? Because you also have a, another constitutional question on the ballot we we talked about earlier in the program. There's a lot going on. That's right. It's a very busy time. There's a lot of advertising on TV and, and all sorts of things like that. This has been a relatively low-budget uh, effort uh, from the very beginning to try to get the word out. Um, but I can tell you it has a lot of popular support uh, just to get on the ballot. Uh, it needed to have over a three-quarters majority support in the General Assembly, which means it has a lot of bipartisan support. And there have been over 135 different organizations uh, all around the state who have said, this is really important and needs to be changed that's made uh, this year. So we have a lot of uh, grassroots support, and we're hoping that a lot of people through your show and, and other means are going to find out about it. Talk about some of your your biggest backers in, in terms of organizations getting behind this. Well, I, I can tell you, um, it's been great to have you know uh, groups like land trusts and watershed associations and you know folks who are thinking about land conservation as being uh, really strong supporters. You know, groups like the Trust for Public Land, like the Connecticut Land Conservation Council. But it's been also really great to see uh, recreational businesses like REI has really stepped up in a huge way. Uh, they had some events. Uh, called Cheers for Public Lands at their three stores in Connecticut. And they understand that there's a real connection between protecting public lands and their business. You know, they are outfitting people to go and enjoy the outdoors. Um, and it's great to see that kind of uh, understanding on their part for why they should be involved. Playing devil's advocate, why wouldn't it be a bad idea in tough fiscal times for the state to maybe unload properties it doesn't need and make some extra money and get them back on the tax rolls. Well, this might surprise you, Aaron. Maybe those are good ideas. But what we say is there's no reason that that shouldn't be done publicly. You know, let's make sure that if you have a proposal to make about uh, selling, swapping, or giving away public lands, because they are public lands that belong to the public, let's have that conversation uh, Offer your evidence for why that's a good thing to do. You know, there may be others who will say why it's not a good thing. And let's do it the way legislation should be done. Really the first time in Connecticut that an environmental issue has made it onto the ballot in the form of a proposed constitutional amendment, too. Yeah, and that's really exciting. It's kind of groundbreaking uh, in terms of being the first time there's ever been a statewide environmental issue on the statewide ballot. Um, because it is uh, a, a change in the state constitution, I, I should just mention why it's so important that uh, this be done in the constitution. Uh, the General Assembly, in, in what they uh, propose in terms of a conveyance bill, have some very powerful language in there, uh, which overrides any existing state laws. Uh, it starts, you know, every section of the conveyance bill that they use uh, starts with this powerful language, you know, notwithstanding any provision of the general statutes, which bas basically says, well, it doesn't matter if there's a law that says you can't do this, we're going to do it anyway. There's also been proposals, maybe it should be a rules change. The House and Senate would agree to change the rules to say that uh, public land couldn't be sold, swapped, or given away without a public hearing first. Well, unfortunately, at the end of the session, where the greatest mischief is is going down, they also suspend the rules. So a law won't do it. A rules change won't do it. It really has to be a change in the state constitution if the General Assembly is going to pay attention to it and abide by it. And you got this issue on the ballot the first try. Well, this is the, the first time this uh, this bill 
uh, went through the General Assembly in its current form. There were previous uh, attempts in previous years in slightly different forms. I have to say, though, that um, what we arrived at this year is just the right uh, compromise. Um, what had uh, been proposed in previous years was that two-thirds vote that now is just reserved for state parks and forests and uh, wildlife management areas and state-owned farmlands. That would have been required on all public lands. And we do think that it makes sense to, if you're going to have that two-thirds vote requirement, it just be on the most important lands. And that's what's being proposed in question two. All right. Are you making any predictions about the outcome on November 6th? Uh, my only prediction is I hope everyone will go out and vote. Uh, and if they are inclined to vote against it, they leave it blank because we need to have more yeses than noes. Um, so we're, we're certainly hoping the yeses win in a big way. He is Eric Hammerling, Executive Director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure, Aaron. Our thanks to Jim Cameron as well. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.